So uh, tonight's guests um, are half serious, half funny. Um, they are men of amazing experience and depth of character. They've been attacked, they've been abused by our friendly government, uh, governments, pick one, doesn't really matter. Uh, they've been told they were absolutely crazy for believing in freedom. Now, the nice thing about these two guys, they don't give a shit. And they have a show called The Chris and Carrie Show. It's a podcast. Uh, the one gentleman, Chris Scott, is the owner of the Whistle Stop Cafe. You might have heard of him. He's got an, an, an amazing number of stories to tell you about his experience and how to fight back. It's, it's fascinating. It's been difficult on him and his family. There's been wins and losses, uh, but he's still here, and we're grateful for everything that he's been doing. He has a partner, Carrie Lambert. That's Carrie right there. <laughs> Carrie's an entertainer, an entrepreneur, uh, a very personal, close friend of theirs, and they decided that they would create the Chris and Carrie podcast show. And uh, you can listen. Is it weekly now? Yeah, it's whenever, it's, it's whenever they sit down with enough beers and the tape's rolling and it happens. So uh, what they're going to do, they're going to give you a kind of a, their view of where things are at, where things are going, where things have been. They're going to mix that together with some facts and some humor. You'll have to figure out which is which. Okay, it'll be up to you. So applaud. If, if you think it was funny, applaud. If you think it was important, applaud. Meaning that you have to have a lot of applause tonight. You may not know if you were right or wrong. Okay? But just go with the flow tonight. All right? Ladies and gentlemen, warm welcome for Chris and Carrie. Well, thank you. I was told we were a duo today. Did you know that? That's the first time I've heard that. Do we have to sit? No, no I, I've been I'm sitting for years. I'm, well, because you had to drive in from here in the in the nice warm. You weather. won't be on the video if you're standing. Yeah, there you go. Right That's even better. Stay there. That's great. Get further over there. I have a quick question. How many people came here in an electric car? Hybrid? Oh, interesting. We wanted to see if it would start. Oh, you know what? It's not that cold out there. No, it's not. It's not. I don't have a problem with electric cars. I think they're cool just because they're fast and they're technological marvels. Replacing something that works perfectly fine for fake ideology and fake virtue? No, no. Didn't, didn't, isn't that the, the reason why they came out with the gasoline combustion engine? Put that on a chassis to get rid of the horses? Yeah, and it kind of changed the world in a way that it freed up time for people to do things like develop life-saving medicine. And, and that's right, instead of having to shovel shit from the yeah. horses, that yeah. uh, you can well imagine that. Yeah, so uh, this is interesting. Uh, this is the second time I've been here. Carrie never told me about this place until like what, a few weeks ago. It's actually the first time I came here too. And I, I'm very surprised that I have never heard of it. Um, so good job at being a secret society. You, you yourselves around here. A secret food society. Yeah, my two favorite things. Secrets, societies, and food. Just two. Well, that's two. That's right. So we never do anything scripted, and Chris will often say that when he's, uh, when he's talking. So I think everybody knows Chris, 
Not a lot of people know me, so I'm going to stand on my little soapbox for a minute. Yes, tell us who you are. Just tell us. So I used to be a partner in a bar called Outlaws Tap House and Bar, which is why I'm wearing this. It's not the Outlaws nightclub that was just off McLeod. I get that all the time. No, we, uh, we actually went through the process through AGLC to get our license, and uh, we ended up securing a spot in Forest Lawn just off 17th and 52nd. And... Uh, and it took us from like June of 2019 all the way through to February 28th of 2020 in order for AGLC to say, okay, yeah, we'll give you your license. In the meantime, we, we had done renovations, we did everything because it was always, it was almost every two weeks till you get your, uh, your AGLC permit. Uh, Have you yes. heard that before? Yeah, you get your permit next Friday. Yeah, again, yeah. that's pretty much how, that's how it started. So by the time we hit February 28th, we were in panic mode because it was like, we've already dished out all this money, we haven't really ordered any food yet because we weren't sure AGLC orders it. My partner Marla says, great, we're open. And it's like, great, we don't have any booze to serve you. And so we ended up having to go down and grab some booze from the, uh, the local liquor, liquor store, which is definitely not what you do when you're in the, when you wanna make money doing, doing any of this, not a good thing. So just to refresh your, your brains here, so February 28th, March 17th was the day everything shut down. That was the COVID day. So we were open 19 days. During that time, I was actually out. I own a, a jukebox, arcade, pool table, uh, entertainment, DJ, karaoke business. Terrible thing to get into, would not recommend it. Certainly not during COVID. And I was down in New Orleans when, when the shit hit the fan. And we were, I was out with a group of buddies on Bourbon Street and it was absolutely packed, wall to wall people, on the Wednesday the NBA shut down. And that Thursday, uh, I ended up taking a flight to Memphis, which was our next road trip for our tour. And, uh, and I went on to Beale Street and you could have counted the number of people on Beale Street. Beale Street is like another, it's like going down the Vegas Strip. It was absolutely gong show. So, that affected me right away because then it was like, well, I guess the trade show's not happening, so what am I gonna do? So I just ended up going out to uh, Graceland. By yourself? I, by myself. And there was like 100 people in Graceland. And if you've ever been in, who's been, who's been to Graceland, right? Can you imagine walking into that promenade where there's usually th thousands of people or whatever? There was like nobody. I have pictures and it looks like there was, it was, uh, I photoshopped everybody out. And that's the way it was in like over a day. Right, so I'm down there, then we're supposed to move off to Nashville, that was all shut down, so then we were told to fly back. So I ended up flying back on St. Patrick's Day, and my business partner calls at three o'clock that day and says, oh my God, they're shutting us down on St. Patrick's Day, the day we could actually make some money. And that was it. So we ended up losing, I don't know, $8,000 worth of food. Most of the booze was okay, I think uh, a lot of stuff was cracked, but again, it went, this. It was the worst time of my entire life because I went through this euphoria of we're finally open to not. And now we can open up again if we're, we put a plexiglass, can't do live music, ours was a live music venue. We, we ended up riding this wave the entire time. And if you can imagine, then we went through the mask, we went through, uh, we were shut down before the QR code thing came up, but, but we ended up going through the masks, the uh, AGLC, AHS was on our ass, um, uh, operational health and safety to make sure that we were able to do what we were supposed to do, follow the rules, et cetera, et cetera. 
with my jukebox arcade games company, we were also shut down November 26th. That was the next phase, I guess, November 26th. So that was the Christmas that never happened for us, right? November 26th, couldn't touch anything. December 12th, poof, everything is shut down forever. Or at least it felt like that. And we didn't open up again until February 8th, and I'll get to that in a second. That's how I met Chris. So during that time, it's like, well, what do we, what do we really do? Can we continue on? Can we still survive? And honestly, no, there was no way because here's another little tidbit I probably should have told you right at the beginning. Government would only give money and support to businesses that were open in 2019. We opened February 28th of 2020. So there was a group of us that, uh, that were immediately hit so we never got any funding or anything like that. So we kept going full bore. February, uh, February 8th comes up. And actually, even before that, February 7th was the, um, the Super Bowl. And we were going to open up illegally on February 7th because Jason Kenney had said that he was going to open on the 8th. That sounds like fun. It was totally, we, yeah. So we had actually talked about opening up sometime in January. And this lad did open up in January. Now, granted, you weren't wearing masks at that time, right? Were you wearing? Yeah. yeah. yeah I had my uh, fight idiocy mask on. Yes, nice. Yeah. I was wearing my SpongeBob masks, which was even better. So uh, we we ended up doing that on the uh, in, in in January. Called Chris and uh, and said, "So how are you doing this? You must know a, a secret and know how to open up." And you didn't. You just said, "No, it just felt right. It just felt right." So that's kind of what we ended up doing is when we opened up on February 8th, we said, you know what? Fuck the masks. We're no kids here. <laughs> Fuck the masks. We're not doing the masks. And we're also not taking uh, contract or contact tracing. And that's where, we, that's where we stood. And that was the Monday. By the Friday, we were issued a warning. By the following week, we were issued closing notice. And two weeks later, AGLC, AHS, uh, Occupational Health, uh, City of Calgary, and our landlord had taken away our venue. Yeah. So, needless to say, we lost a lot, right? We lost, we lost, uh, and, and all through that, you're kind of questioning, is this really, like, should we be doing this? Should we not? Should we, should we? And then we had so much support of people coming out with, with masks, uh, or without masks, pardon me. And, uh, and including Vicky over there and her group, they actually had an illegal gathering like this. And we ended up having um, a, a couple of political things there and it, and it was great. And, um, and then it really struck me, you know what? The government is not on our side. If they can shut us down, they can shut down anybody. And, and that was the story that I was hearing from all over the place. And so we were going to do a lawsuit with a couple of other businesses which have long since closed, sadly. And, um, and I think that's just an important part. I just wanted to kind of give you that story of, of how I got involved because everyone's got their own stories. But for me, uh, obviously I took it personally. And I said, this doesn't make any sense and let's, let's take that red pill and see what's going on. And so that's basically what we ended up doing. And uh, once Chris opened, once we were shut down, we ended up going out to the whistle stop and we did illegal karaoke. When you couldn't be singing, when you couldn't be doing anything, is really what it is. And illegal karaoke sounds just as bad. 
but it tastes so much better, especially with beer. So that's kind of how how we started into it, and 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 then you know as we go through that entire year, there's the ups and downs and the QR codes and all that crap that we all absolutely despise, and and all the way through that, this man has been a rock. I think he's been a rock, maybe a mentally disturbed rock, but you've been a rock nonetheless. And and he's kind of helped. Myself and my business partner uh, Marla, who has since moved to a Soyuz because she just couldn't handle what was going on in uh, in, in Alberta, and I, going to BC, I don't think that's even better. <laughs> but the weather's better. She keeps texting me and saying it's 25 here, and it's like, yeah, fuck off. So, <laughs> but going through that whole process and and um, again the ups and downs, we ended up. Um, where we were, I mean, obviously we were close even before that, but we really got close when Chris called me up and said, hey, do you want to join me on the convoy? And that was- That's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him what I really said. I, I think you're, you're coming with me on the convoy, I believe is what you- I said, I'll be picking you up on my way. <laughs> well, that's pretty much how it happened. So and I think that was like, it was, my, it was my birthday weekend, and that's an important part of the story too. It was my birthday weekend, we got so, so busy, blah, 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 we end up going out on this convoy, picks me up, and, uh, and I could tell stories for hours about how amazing just being on that journey of, of going out on the convoy was, and seeing people, and seeing their flags, and, and all that. We're out there, and we said, great, now that we're here, what are we doing? And, and a lot of this stuff, I think, will be coming out of the inquiry. Right, uh, because I think initially we were out there. We were supposed to. Somebody was serving papers to the PMO office to basically dissolve Parliament, which didn't happen. If you didn't know, here's an interesting little yeah. tidbit. Yeah. So that guy, yes, used to be the safety officer at the third service rig company I ever worked for in the early 2000s. Wow. Yeah. What was his name? Uh, Jim Botter. Okay, there you go. So we get out there, and and obviously that serving didn't dissolve anything and then it was like so now what do we do so we stayed at, uh, at one of three hotels that ended up being this hub and uh, so we happened to be in the hotel with with kind of the names i guess uh, tamara was there and chris barber and uh, um, uh, i'm trying to think of all the people's names the tom was there Danny Bulford was there, that's right too. So we all had mem uh, meetings with these guys and I had no idea who they were at the time because you just walk in and it's like, I'm having a meeting with these guys. They were all people we saw on Facebook. Yeah, on videos, all that's like, true Speaking TikTok out stuff. against what was going on because Tom, Tom O'Connor, he lost his job and he spoke out about it. Danny Bulford, he spoke out about it. So we walk into this hotel and there's like all of these faces of these people who had uh, pretty much just put everything on the line to stand up for themselves. So it's, I find it really interesting seeing the Inquirer right now and seeing the Inquirer, the Inquirer, seeing what's actually going on with it, with that. So we, we end up getting there, like I said, we, and then we're kind of like, what do we do? That, that weekend, that first weekend was amazing. And uh, they didn't have a sound system. So we ended up uh, kind of forming this group of, of entertainers. We had a social media group. We had, if, and again, I'm going off on tangents, but that's because this is totally unscripted anyways. But they had these, uh, these social media people working on their Facebook pages because if you remember back then, they were shutting down the pages as soon as they were made, right? Freedom Convoy, pfft, Convoy 2020, pfft, or whatever it was, 2020, 2022. 
I don't know what year it was. I know, it was only like nine months ago or something like that. Jeez. So, uh, and, I, and I figured I'm not going to be involved in that because, you know, as, as much as I do social media and entertainment, I just wanted to be out, I wanted to be on the stage. I, I, I had that technical knowledge, so I ended up setting up the stage. And it was an absolute riot. The people that we met there and the, and the speakers that we had there, and, uh, and I would get up and be out at the stage at 7 in the morning, pulling the stuff off, uh, the, uh, out of the truck, onto the stage, minus 30, out there until 11 in the morning, or 11 at night, and they didn't have any washrooms. <laughs> and they really didn't have any ice, uh, any coffee either. Although people would end up giving us coffee, they, they'd end up making it beside the trucks over there. There was that one place. Oh, did he have coffee? No, remember the gift shop? Oh yeah, yeah. There was a gift shop. Oh, there were a few places, yeah. It was supposed to be closed down, and he decided to open, and he just happened to be directly beneath Trudeau's office. Isn't that interesting? So he's open, reluctantly, kind of like, oh, I want to see what's going on, and having conversations with that guy, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I'm so glad I opened. You guys are great. Buy more stuff. And they told us that Spark Street was only closed because of the convoy coming in. It had been closed since the beginning of COVID. They basically told everybody just sh shut down. And again, it was like if you had a clothing store, as an example, if, if all the government workers aren't working, there's nobody to sell to, so you might as well shut down. So the fact that they were blaming it on the convoy was ridiculous. They're all a bunch of liars. Yeah, I think so, liars, liars, masters. So we end up, yeah, we broke off into these little groups and we ended up doing our stuff. And it was, uh, you know, one of the, the phrases that, uh, that kept coming up, and I still use the phrase very often, is, if not you, then who, right? So step up and, and take on a leadership role, even if you're minus 30 and you have to be hauling equipment out and uh, not being able to go to the washroom party. So I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a, uh, how that happened with me. And then when we got back from the convoy, it's been, uh, we've been speaking about things, we've been doing political stuff, we're dealing with uh, the Alberta Prosperity Project, uh, which is what Chris is really involved with. I'm partially involved in I do see APP now. Uh, I've been involved with the, uh, the Independence Party now for a few months too, so that's another political vehicle. Had you asked me only like maybe even two or three years ago if I would have even been involved in that, it's like, that's for old people, I don't care about it. Don't and then, then you realize you're old. I am old, yeah. I am. <laughs> so, thank you again for, uh, for Daryl and Marilyn for inviting us and Dominique for having us come out here. We're not done yet, I'm just saying, but, but as I'm looking, it's like, thank you so much for inviting us out here. With, with all the stuff that we've been dealing with and, uh, and, and has been thrown at us, um, I know I, Chris, Chris does make a lot of speeches, and he always says he never has anything scripted. And um, so I'm going to give him the mic just for a couple of minutes. I'll have to pull the reins on it. And uh, let's just see what's going on in that giant melon with multiple chins. It's, it's become one continuous chin now. I have a question first. Um, is it the garlic hanging there that has helped you ward off the blood-sucking politicians and AHS folks from coming here? Because I think I'm going to hang those up at my place, too. 
So Carrie's right, I never script anything, I never write anything down. Sometimes when other people are talking, I write notes because it makes me, well, I mean, I don't remember anything. Um, besides how great that pizza was, and this beer, which oh, is empty, so good, by so, the way, yeah, hint, yeah. hint. Someone will get one. It was a subtle hint, hint nonetheless. Um, I kind of just talk about whatever's on my mind, and I got nothing right now. Carrie covered everything, so yeah. I guess that's Well, that was just that. I mean, there's so much, so much. What's happened this week? No. Is there anything going on this week? Well, there's, I, yes, you know, there I, ended up having a, I ended up writing a bunch of precisely what I wanted yeah. to talk about. So, why are you all here? How do you get freedom by being here? Let's back it up a bit. What is freedom? Everybody talks about how they want freedom. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone tell me what it means to be free. It's the same laws for everyone. Having a choice, yeah. The top guys have the same laws as the little guys. Oh, yeah, that's good. Have, I like that. People have new laws for big uh, stores. Has that ever happened? Yeah. <laughs> and one law for the big stores, one law for the little guys. So that was the, the that was the biggest problem I had in the beginning was that my business had to falter and just suffer and wither away to nothing. But I go to Costco and every virtue, virtue signaling, does anyone wear skinny jeans in here? I don't like them, so I'm gonna say I, I usually do. Virtue okay. signaling skinny jean wearing punk. I'm sorry if you're one of those. Um, with their masks pulled down past their nose, pretending like they're doing their part they're they're doing what they're doing what needs to be done to flatten the curve, and I'm looking around like, are you serious? And not only that, but now, and I kind of knew this then, but since then I found out that a lot of these businesses that were speaking out against me because I was speaking out against the government were letting people in their back door violently so they could survive, and then publicly saying, "Oh, Chris is a rebel and a scofflaw; he needs to follow the rules." Right? So that kind of hurts a little bit. But it actually was encouraging in some kind of weird way because it made me realize that even the people who publicly seemed to be supporting and promoting what the government was doing, they knew it was wrong too. They knew it was garbage, they knew it was BS. In their personal lives, you know, where nobody can see them behind closed doors, they weren't following the rules. So that tells me that even these skinny jean wearing punks, pardon me if you're wearing skinny jeans, they're just like us. They're just more concerned about how the world perceives them than we are. And people ask me all the time, what made me do this? Well, that's easy, I was broke, I was running out of money, my business is gonna fail. So I opened my business, because that's, and, and by then, we kind of could see what was going on and we knew it wasn't what they said. It was very apparent that it was all just a bunch of malarkey. Now, I'm not saying COVID doesn't exist. I'm not saying that people didn't get sick with it. I'm just saying that during that period, it wasn't much di different than the, than the few years before. And I, I saw that. And I was broke, so I opened my restaurant. And it wasn't, that, so that was for me and my family. That wasn't for anybody else, that was for me. I was hoping that it would encourage other people to do it for themselves, but at the end of the day, I, I was thinking about me. But that changed when 
people started coming into the restaurant and sharing their stories. They were telling me about things that I had no idea that was going on. Or maybe I did know they were going on, but they hadn't become personal because I hadn't been standing with somebody like telling me a story and I hadn't shed any tears for them, which I did when they told me their stories because it was heartbreaking. And I'm a, you know, men don't cry. I'm a rough dad. When I smash my finger with a hammer, I swear at myself and I let my tears roll down into, into my mouth so that I can just say there's something in my eye and no one sees me cry. But people would tell me these stories and like it actually, it affected me so much that it stopped being about me. If it was about me, I would have, when AHS came and said, or went to my, actually, oh, get this, they went to my landlord, and not even my landlord. I, I had a lease to purchase agreement for the Whistle Stop Cafe. So I was supposed to operate it for three years, it was a very good deal. Three years paying a lease payment, 100% which it went to my down payment, which is an amazing deal, zero interest. But they went to her and they said, if you don't evict him or make him stop, we're going to throw you in jail, is what they told her. They bullied her and they, they scared her to the point where she lost her freaking marbles on me and was yelling and screaming and I, I knew it was because she was scared. But that's what they did to her, to try and make me stop. And if it, if it was just about me, if people hadn't shared their stories, I would have just said, okay, well, you know, my business is on the map. Everybody knows who I am. Um, I took a stand, you know, I took it as far as I could, and now I have this opportunity where I can just stop, I can have a little vacation, close the restaurant, take all the subsidies, do all the things or whatever, and I could have even worked out a deal with her where I didn't have to pay my lease payment for that period. And then I just relax and everybody goes home and we just wait it out. But I chose not to because for me, that was the easy way out. You know, then I just get to you know, sit around and drink beer with Carrie and have illegal karaoke's and do those sorts of things. But I couldn't do it because people had, that place had become something different than just a cafe. Like people were coming there to share their stories because they needed help. And for some reason, they just expect I could help with everything. You wouldn't believe the things people told me that they need help with. So, so we kept going and that's, that was what pushed me to do the fundraiser to help buy that place for her to get rid of that tool. Anyway, I lost some support about that, I don't care. I guess what I'm trying to say is the reason I continued going is because I completely ran out of fucks to give about myself and I started paying attention to what was going on to people around me. And that's not to say that I don't think about my future, my kids' future and stuff like that but it pales in comparison to the other things we're seeing happen, and it pales in comparison to the potential for this to become something that completely takes our kids' future away. So that's what I ask you, what does it mean to be free? What is freedom? Is it, is it something we can have? Like, can we actually have it? Is, it? is it even real? Is any of it real? Do we even have the opportunity for freedom? Because we thought we were free before, we weren't. So I've been wondering, have we ever been free? And of course that opens up a whole new can of worms. Has the system always been designed to be like this? 
do we really live in a democracy or is it just an illusion so that we're calm and the, the cattle don't charge the shoots? I think, I'm starting to think that's what it is. Because the more you look into it, and the more you realize how, you know, there's, there's all the, there's these mechanisms for remedy for us, right? I mean, we can go to court. We can hire a lawyer and have them go and talk to a judge or, or whatever, litigate with another lawyer on our behalf. And then maybe we'll get a result. Or maybe we don't. But what happens in the meantime? I mean, Terry's business has been gone for how long now? Year and a half? And what difference would it have made if he if, if he'd got a lawyer and, and fought the government on it? Well, and, and even with that, so we actually had the same lawyer, and I was going to get into the... You were actually given a plea... Well, let's back up two steps here. Are you still in court? And, oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, and, and what's that for? For the rest of my life. Um, contravening the public health. It's speeding ticket court. It's traffic court. It's the same, it's in this, on the same uh, playing field as a speeding ticket. That's why I'm in court. That's why the government has spent, it's gotta be over a million and a half dollars now on enforcement on me and court costs and whatnot. And my lawyers, I think they're close to $250,000, which is something that the average person can't do. I would have never been able to go to court and fight for my freedom and my future. That's not freedom. Like, that's not freedom at all. Chris was offered a plea bargain, I guess, at uh, the end of August. Oh, what a joke. For $2,800 and everything would go away. You'd just be able to live your life as whatever. And when Chris said that, you know, he was looking at it as not just him, it's, it's everybody and, and fighting for the whole, the whole cause. He said, no, this, this, that $2,800, no, we're going to court. We're, we're going to take this because with our outlaws group, we wanted to go to court. And again, they don't take you to court. They'll, they'll take you almost to court and then they'll settle, right? So not one case has actually gone in to say, Dina, where's the evidence for mass, plexiglass, all that There's sort of stuff. There's been no judgments. None. In the words of uh, our awesome Deputy Prime Minister, let me be very clear. There have been zero wins and zero losses, as far as I'm aware, for any of the COVID stuff, based on the merits of the facts. I'm not talking about, oh, there's no evidence, so this is out of court, you win. I'm not talking about, uh, we don't have time for this today, we need to deal with this triple homicide, just get out of my courtroom. I'm not talking about that. Those are not wins. I'm not talking about a uh, you're trying to represent yourself in court with some very shaky pseudo-legal arguments and, you know, the court, they, they're, they're asked to have leniency on people that self-represent. So a lot of times they say, okay, well, you know what, just go away. Take a $100 fine and get out of the court. We haven't had any judgments. Not one. And my, like, my guilty judgment that I had the, the fines and the probation and the compelled speech, nothing to do with COVID, nothing to do with restrictions. A judge told me to do something. I said, I ran out of fucks, Your Honor. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. And I did it anyway, and I faced the consequences, which I knew I would. That's why I didn't fundraise for the 30000 turned $20,000 in fines, because I accepted that consequence 
for going against what just, uh, Associate Chief Justice Work told me to do. So, this whole idea of freedom, I'm, no, I hope this doesn't bring doom and gloom here, but I'm starting to wonder if freedom even exists outside of ourselves. Like, if, if this structure that we're in, the government structure and the, this, the way society's set up, if it's set up so that we can't really be free because we thought we were free before, turns out well we work because the government can come in and tell you to close your restaurant, you can't go see your grandmother, your neighbors phone the cops on you because you have too many people at your house for Christmas, or any people at all. That is not freedom. So in my mind, I will say that we have never, ever been free because these laws have existed since Canada was incorporated. We've been living like this for 150 some odd years. Math is hard. Math is hard. <laughs> Wait, what did, what did Trudeau say? I, I hundred years, or I can't remember what I it was. I don't even pay attention. It was so embarrassing. Right? Do you remember that when our Prime Minister was talking about the Canada 150 and he got the age of Canada wrong? Beautiful. So anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's made me come to the conclusion that freedom isn't something we ask for from the government. Freedom isn't something that we should expect from a government. It's what we make of our own lives. And sometimes that means we're going to have a consequence. Like my consequence for living free is I have to pay $20,000 in fines. That's the cost of my freedom at this point. So th that actually answers another question. People ask me, how do you keep going? How do you, like all these things could happen to you. You could get fined, you could lose your business. You could do this, you could do that. And I just think to myself, I'm free. I'm free to succeed, I'm free to fail, I'll do it on my own terms. And if those things happen, that's the way it's supposed to be. Isn't that interesting? Everything is going to be the way that it's supposed to. Nothing that happens was unintended. And this is based in a, a kind of a religious philosophy for me, because I'm, I'm a Christian and I believe that everything that happens was written from the very beginning and there's a plan. Now you might not all share that sentiment with me. Some of you might believe that there's a higher universal power of some sort, or maybe karma, that, that ensures that what happens is what's supposed to happen. There's a balance in the universe. So I guess it's comforting and scary at the same time because nothing we do is going to change that, but we don't have to worry about what's going to happen. If we live free, we do the best we can, we treat each other with respect and compassion and kindness, we're free, and it doesn't matter if the government tells us we can't have our restaurant. So we do something else. And that, the culmination of this idea, although I, I haven't heard anyone talk about it yet, was tens of thousands of people hopping in their trucks and driving to Ottawa because they're free, and they're, they're gonna live free. So, how many people have been watching the inquiry? The National Enquirer. <laughs> what do you think? Yay or nay? Like, is it, do you, do you think it's, it's going well or do you think it's a farce? What do you, what do you think? What do you feel about it? A farce? Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the nice thing about it is that it's giving another opportunity for the people, you know, the skinny jeans wearing pumps, 
that maybe think, or they, they know deep inside that something's wrong and that it shouldn't be this way. They're watching right now, they're watching our government and our politicians lie through their teeth. It is so obvious. Anybody see, any, who didn't watch uh, Freeland testify? It was sad, eh? She can't even answer a simple question. Deputy Freeland, did you or did you not say this? I will not speak for CBC. We're not asking you to speak for CBC. We're asking you to speak to Canadians about what you said. And they can't do it. It's a farce. The whole thing's a farce. So, that sounds like doom and gloom. But, that means that groups like this and things like this become all more important. These are the important events in our lives. Not that. I mean, yeah, that's interesting to watch. I hope it turns out the way I want it to, but I also have to be willing to accept that what I want to see happen may not be the way things are intended to go. I have to be okay with that. So we find our community, which it seems as you have. Um, how many people were here at the height of the restrictions? Do you remember? Was there a lot? Daryl was. Yeah, there was a lot. Like a full house, wasn't it? So no matter what happens on the outside, we have a community. We really do. And these are the things that we have to protect because we have a, you know, we got a provincial election coming up next year, which I think is very important. We have a by-election in Medicine Hat Brooks coming up right now that I think is very important. A lot, of, a lot of people didn't know that it takes place on Tuesday. Tuesday. Like, that's, it's that quick. I did that on purpose because most people, the majority of people, are going to be very busy with Taco Tuesday, and they're not. Yes, you are correct. I know I will be. But groups like this, what I've seen in the last little while, groups like this can change the course of the province. If we continue to meet like this and share our opinions and ideas and concerns over coffee, well, all of a sudden now. When it comes time for the province to speak up and select a leader or whatever, it's not just one person who feels alone in their, you know, their support for a candidate or a party. It's a group of people who have been discussing this stuff like the way we're supposed to all the time. That whole idea, like we, oh, don't, we're not going to talk about religion or politics because it's, you know, it's rude. No, it's not. It's literally the foundation of our society to talk about those things. And had we been talking about it, it would have been a shift in Yes, absolutely. If we had continued to do that and go for coffee and listen to old people. <laughs> like, like Chris. Yeah. If we had been listening to old people and doing the things they do, which is meet with their friends and talk about things, instead of being scared of offending somebody, we might not be in the situation we are right now, although we would be because it was intended to be like this. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's kind of what's been on my mind lately is that nothing matters. Nothing matters at all. We can't change anything. But we can change something with, through community. It doesn't even make sense when I say it. It sounds stupid when I say it. We're taking it back. We're taking it back, yes. And so, of course, okay, I'll let you finish. Okay. I, I think you're, that's it. You're, you're I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm wrapped up. Open right. your beer, Chris. Yes. That's you why go. I was going to wrap it up right now. <laughs> it's all about the beer. How many of you have lost family or friends 
not due to any injury or anything, that's a separate, cost, uh, a separate question, but based upon your beliefs. How many, right? I have two daughters that are both in medical, and they ended up getting the jabs right in February when they were able to because they were in university and they were indoctrinated and they said that's how we were gonna get through this. I cannot have this conversation with them. And when I have tried, they've shut me down. So I guess the only way that they can actually see what I'm doing is by posting on social media. I was on a Unless you're banned. Yeah, that's true. I was on a Halloween costume last night, or Halloween party dressed in a costume last night. That was the most confusing costume I've seen yet. It was, he was making fun of me. My costume, I was calling it, was a big statement. And what it was, was it was giant inflatable, it was supposed to be a Canadian hockey player. And I had fuck Trudeau all over it as, as like symbols what? and stuff. I did, yes. That's what, that's that's what that means. F oh F my F goodness, I'm so <laughs> So even with that, it was really bizarre seeing um, the people that agreed with me, high fives, and the people that would shun me. But I did end up winning second place. But only going through what we have had with, with COVID did we realize who are, who we were meant to be close to, right? Uh, and, and having people of uh, similar beliefs and, uh, and, and, and able to have these conversations and not feel like they're awkward, right? When I would be at the Thanksgiving table and, uh, and we'd have family and friends come over while well, we talked about Sports, talked about TV, talked about pop culture, all that sort of stuff. No religion, no politics. Because at that point, I just thought being in politics was just voting every four years. I thought it was about eating babies. Yeah, well, eating them. <laughs> so it, it has been an interesting year, and I'm sure everyone, like I said, has a story that's, that's dealt with that, but um, I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm so in my heart thankful that uh, there's, there's people like you in my life now and, and groups uh, that are able to do that. I feel like I'm in an AA meeting. <laughs> wait, wait, let me... We would my be, Carrie. be the, worst, the worst people to be in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, something you said remind, reminds me, or actually kind of tied something together for me. So I said, you know, maybe this is designed to be like this, right? We're de it's designed so that we stay in our shoots and we just go towards our death, which is where we're all going, by the way. Sorry, can't change that. Even Walt Disney. <laughs> but he's but he's ahead of all of us. Is it just his head? I think it's just his head. No, come on. Like Futurama? Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> We're all going down the street. Ah, yes. So hopefully not like cat. Why were why do we not talk about religion and politics or what else? What else is there? There's three things. Religion, politics. Oh no, we talk about that all the time. That's one of the things that's socially acceptable now to talk about who's a man, who's a woman, who's one of the other Thirty-two flavors in between. That, that's acceptable. Politics, religion, there's another one I can't remember. It's from America, that's when we used to have the mess dinners. Three things you can't talk about. Guns. Anyway. Why don't we talk about those things? Because we've been told they're socially unacceptable. We've been told. 
you've been told, and I've been told, that if you believe these things, you're right wing. If you believe those things, you're left wing. The commies told us that. Yeah, and the right doesn't like the left. That's what we've been told. We're putting these little boxes, we're labeled, and it keeps us separate from each other. You can't have a conversation with your left-wing neighbor because he's from the left and you're from the right and you don't want to offend him and so you don't share anything with them. And now we're at a point, I realized this in the US presidential election and then I've seen it in every election since. What is the, 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 the votes usually? How does it usually work out? One candidate to the other. 49% to 51%. That's quite the division. And that division has happened because we've been separated and put in these little boxes where we can't talk to each other about these things anymore. And then we have a situation where, you know, I, I see Donald Trump's going to run for president. And I'm like, that's, he, he's a, you know, he's pompous. He's certainly not perfect. But maybe we don't need perfect politicians because it turns out the people we thought were perfect weren't. And maybe we do need something different. Yeah, I'll support that. He's not afraid to talk about things. He's, uh, he has a plan and he says, I'm going here and he goes there. And if you want to go with him, you go. If you don't, then you're a loser. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay, I can support that. That would be great to have something new, something fresh to shake things up in US politics. Because I've been in the energy industry for 22 years, minus three years in the restaurant business with a couple days in the patch here and there. But uh, US policy really affected me. Like, almost, I may as well have been an American citizen, US policy affected me so, so hard. So I'm like, yes, I support Trump, this is awesome. I don't talk to my dad anymore. Like, not my stepdad, I talked to, well, actually, I, I haven't talked to him for a while. But my biological father, I don't talk to him anymore. He's a, a music pro, uh, producer for uh, radio, uh, director of music for a radio station in Victoria. Right? Oh, look at that. Yeah. Victoria fans, I see. Yeah. His girlfriend is very, very liberal. You know, was totally happy to have a picture photoshopped with her holding Trump's severed head. Because that's acceptable. You can't talk about religion or politics, but you can hold up somebody's severed head that you don't agree with. So you can imagine how the conversations went during the election time. Both times. So we're divided. Ten years ago, I could talk to her. I could talk to my dad. I probably still could, I just don't because I'm lazy and busy. But that's where we're at now. There's no clear majority. We're divided. Completely divided. And the only way to fix that, so that we actually have the power to change this arguably nefarious system, is if we start getting out of these boxes and talking to our neighbors, even though we think the conversation might be uncomfortable. Because we might find out, well, you know, well, why would, why do you, okay, so why do you support Rachel Notley and the NDP government? Because there are some people that have some legitimate reasons why they support the NDP. Labor, healthcare, education. Pension. That's the, what I call the, the real valid reasons to support an NDP government. I mean, what you get along with that kind of makes all of that not really matter anymore. But anyway, they might be concerned about that. Or they might say, well, I could never vote for a conservative because 
and I've heard this so many times, white conservative Christians hate gay people. Pardon me? I'm like 5% gay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Carrie. Just kidding. What, what I'm saying is... Well, that made me laugh. Yeah. The, the, the different sides have this idea about each other, and it doesn't fit. So your neighbor might be saying, I would never, ever vote for, for Daniel Smith or a conservative politician because they want to, I've heard this too, literally kill gay people. I don't believe that. Well, yes you do, you're a Christian. Christians did this, Christians caused this. You guys murdered the indigenous people and you, you hate gay people. And I'm like, um, no, I didn't do any of those things. As a matter of fact, I'm against all of the stuff against those people because I have two rules that I'm supposed to live by as a Christian and that's love my God and love my neighbor. Nowhere in there does it say that I love my neighbor unless they're gay or unless they're a certain race. It doesn't say that. But we've been separated for so long and unable to talk to each other about these things that people actually believe that. Even the, like the trans community. I don't, I don't care what they do. I don't care, not one bit. One of my supporters now at the Wissasaw Cafe is a trans drag competition doing fella that looks like a woman, very strong conservative values, extremely smart. We have excellent conversations, partly because he, he took the time to come and have a conversation with me. Because he liked the fact that I opened my restaurant, but he was worried to come down there because the right wing are a bunch of bigots. But he came down, he talked to me anyway, and we're friends now. Like, I was gonna say, one of the things that we found just from going through the convoy, of course, it's coming on the inquiry, is how much the media is able to influence all this. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. they're the ones that are pushing the narrative of, you know, this is what's going to happen. If you go and talk to those those redneck bigots, you're gonna get beaten up. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Jagmeet Singh. You don't like him? Jeez, all we have to do is list off names. Racists. It's probably because he's Indian, isn't it? He's a dick. Bingo. I don't like him because he's a liar and he contributes to the division that we're facing in our society. That numpty goes on TV. Actually, get this. He sent me an email saying, we need to do this. We need to defeat the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. Chris, can you send me $23? I'm like, dude, your net worth is more than all the money I'll ever have in my life. And you're asking me for $23 while you're talking about uh, doing your part to help the less fortunate? Come on, you hypocritical bastard. Then he goes on and he says, this was actually from the convoy. He says, the convoy is full of violence. And a group of protesters tried to set an apartment building on fire. And they taped the door shut on their way out. Did you hear that? They taped the door shut. The level of intent what they were trying to do is disgusting. And there's numerous examples of that within the convoy. 
Do you think that caused some division? Do you think that caused some hate? That was a downright, outright lie. A complete lie, a fabrication. And it made people hate me and hate Carrie because they think that we set apartment buildings on fire because we drove a truck to Ottawa to protest mandates. It is hate speech. But it doesn't, they don't, it, it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. That kind of hate speech doesn't matter. It only matters if you're speaking against a real minority group, not just a fringe minority. So, examples of Jagmeet Singh and Rachel Notley here in, uh, here in Alberta are prime examples of why we must build groups like this. And I've been saying from the start, we can't do it by having dry political meetings, although I shouldn't say that, they're good. But you need beer, beer. and pizza. So this, this is awesome. I say and music too. And music, but this is what I've been talking about this entire time. Doing something different that we haven't really been doing before because we didn't do this before. We didn't go meet somewhere like this on a, what night of the week is it? On a Tuesday night. We were at taco time, right? Tuesday night. So now that we are starting to develop some of these groups, as long as we can get away from this idea that if you in the blue don't agree with me that black hoodies are the best, I don't like you anymore and I refuse to participate in anything you're doing. How many times have we heard stuff like that? Right? The, the political scene is full of that right now because We've been conditioned to believe that we only fit in this box. And if you like a blue shirt and I don't, we can't fight back against Jagmeet Singh together, creating division and hate within our society because we don't agree on our sweater. We gotta get past that. We gotta get past this idea that we only, you know, we only fit this certain mold. If we don't, um, we will never win. It's impossible to win when we're fighting amongst ourselves. All you gotta do is just look around at some of the groups that have started and stopped and started and stopped over the last two and a half years, and you'll, you'll it's very easy to understand. So, what would you do? How would you do this, Carrie? I mean, we already said pizza and beer and meetings like this, but what else? And, and karaoke. Karaoke, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Because if we all know how poorly we all sing, then nobody cares. Then we'll all be unified in, exactly. in really bad singing. Yeah. yeah. Get up and sing for us now. Karaoke Christmas at the whistle stop. Oh, fresh. Daryl. Daryl will do that. We'll, yeah, we'll organize it. There you go. Let's go. That sounds like fun. So, regardless of what you do, I would definitely encourage you to build this group. Build this group to a point where when you're, oh, does it even matter if you vote in Calgary? It didn't I seem know, to. I know, yeah. Urban, that's, urban versus rural, yeah, that's a whole thing. Well, don't, don't, ever, don't ever not try because you think you might fail. That's silly, you have to try. But next time there's something going on, something that you have to unify around an idea, and freedom's a great idea, um, you need to have these groups ready to go so you can actually do something more. But I want to talk a little bit about this little note I got. Carrie is a plant. 
He's controlled opposition and works. I'm IT from Bakia. What? That's the plan. Oh, sorry, I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> Justice Rook signed the court order against you and all other. Carrie's not a plant. If he was, he'd be one of the really low. Yeah, it was almost a vine, actually. So, Justice Rook, Associate Chief Justice Rook. In Justice Rook. In Justice Rook, signed an injunction that was got um, in secret without any of the people of Alberta being involved except for AHS. That injunction, with zero evidence to support it other than our CMOH saying so, took away your charter rights with the stroke of a pen. That injunction said, you may not protest. You may not go visit your parents. You may not Let's, uh, go to a restaurant. It said you, but it actually listed off John, John Doe and Jane Doe. Doe. That's how. What What do you think about that? A judge. June. No, June 8th? Yeah, something like May. 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 Right before I got arrested. Okay. May 5th. May 5th of 2021. May the 5th be with you. Yeah. 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 It did. It had my name, Glenn Carrot, uh, someone else's on there. Yeah, the, Art, Art and uh, David were on there. No, he wasn't on that. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if the guy is alive. Well, we've talked about that, too. Somebody checked his signatures and signatures don't matter. So that was Daniel Nagassi that brought up the signature thing. Now, when Rook did that, I think that is probably the most disgusting abuse of power that I have ever seen in this country in my lifetime. That a judge could take away your rights. 4.5 million people's rights were uh, unjustly removed from them with no evidence or, or data or justification to support it. And they weren't represented. That is a travesty. And as, as far as I know, Justice Rook has no accountability for this. And my friend Daniel Nagasi, he brought up an interesting point that nobody's seen the guy. Now here, here comes some conspiracy stuff. Yeah, I but like it's fun. I like him. Nobody's seen the guy. He was supposed to be retired a long time ago. But if I was making that much money, I wouldn't want to retire either because he doesn't really have to do anything. And his signature has changed. It doesn't look like his signature. Now I don't know if that means anything because my signature has changed as well. I've signed so many orders to appear in court that I don't even bother trying anymore. I just scribble on it. But uh, it, it is very interesting that one of our highest judges in Alberta can do something like that. And the government allows it. So the government was completely complicit in having my rights removed and your rights removed. Did you know that the Charter, rights and Charter of Rights and Freedoms allows for your rights to be taken away in certain situations? And that makes sense. If you do something, if you commit a crime, you have to lose your mobility rights, right? If you're legitimately doing something that's going to hurt somebody, you might have to lose some rights for a period of time. But the, but the removal of them has to be the, the least impact to them and for the least amount of time to accomplish what needs to be done. I don't have a problem with that. But it also says that it has to be justified. 
demonstrably justified. Believe it or not, the Constitution is very clear in saying that the government has to go to court before they take away your rights. And they have to prove that it's necessary before they do it. But we've allowed um, politicians to enact laws that say, well, we're going to say that we might need to now, by law, so that this is already done, and then when we need to do it, we can just go to your home and, you know, arrest you. Or we can just go to your home and take your children. Did you know that if, you, if somebody phones child services on you, and they say, those children are in danger, the government can come to your home and take your children with no evidence, no evidence at all, and then you have to prove that the threat wasn't credible. That's a tricky one. Because we, in, our, in society, we have to do things to be able to protect the vulnerable. We have to be able to act fast. But where do we draw the line, and how do we make sure that power isn't abused? You know how you do that? Look around the room. You get involved in these things. If you want to make sure that something, a, a, a government department like that isn't abusing its power, you get involved with it. Far too long, we haven't talked about politics, we haven't wanted to be involved in politics because we're not old enough. We say we're going to let other people do it because they're going to save us from whatever. And we don't get involved. And then we cry foul when they overstep their, their bounds. So, unfortunately, we have to start doing some of that stuff. Even if it's just on a school board or a hospital board or something like that, we have to become more involved. We gotta stop waiting for a politician to come and save us from the things that we're supposed to be saving ourselves from. Does it make sense? Which is difficult when you work 60 hours a week to be able to pay your rent and heat and food. But that's why they so, do that. But fortunately, there's a group that's actually have a, that has a plan for Alberta to chart a new path forward where maybe we could actually be prosperous and not have to work 60 hours a week. Maybe really, we could be out from under this tyrannical federal government. That sounds amazing. To us. But you know, just my opinion. What? Who said? Where? Oh, Alberta Prosperity Project. I thought. I thought there was a streaker. She said a pee pee. I heard that a pee pee. Anyway, yeah. That, that's the reason why we haven't really been involved, isn't it? Because we're too busy. We're too busy, focused on our futures, trying to make ends meet, um, giving, what, what did I say it was? Uh, 66 or 67% of our income goes to taxes. And it doesn't matter if you're in a 10% tax bracket or a 50% tax bracket, it's 67%. Because when you buy things, you pay tax. You pay tax and tax and tax and tax and tax. And eventually, you're left with, what is that, 33% of your income. So you have to work a lot. You don't have time to go to school for it. So there's a lot of things we gotta change and a lot of uh, community building things we have to do to help each other out while we're doing that. If the community of Alberta and Canada, oh my goodness, I'm boring this lady to tears. You're boring me. I'm yawning too. <laughs> if this, the community, uh, like the freedom community, hadn't come together and said, hey, you know what, we're gonna support Chris in his stand against the government and AHS. People sent me, when we did the fundraiser to buy the restaurant, I, I needed, I thought I needed 300,000 bucks. It was actually 337 or something. But I said, listen, I need 300 grand, I need to raise it in five days. You guys said you wanted help? 
Let's do it. We raised $160,000 in one week. And then it went like this because Twitter and Reddit and the, you know, Antifa, and they did DNS server attacks on Certipay. Like they just crashed everything. And they said I was uh, just stealing it, encrypting, and I was gonna run away with the money or whatever. I would have done that a long time ago if that was a plan. But anyway, the community backed me up to the tune of probably close to 200,000 bucks over the course of everything so that I could continue moving forward with what I was doing. And that's important. When you have groups like this, if you have somebody who's gonna be a candidate for a position that needs to be filled in Calgary, even a group this big doing fundraisers and chipping in can support that person all the way to a successful campaign. That's very true. That's how it works. Like, it's not free, right? But we have to be willing to do that kind of stuff. And that's the only way it happens. What did they spend in the federal election? Do you remember what we discussed this a little while ago? Yeah. $600 million or something stupid? Oh, the federal election. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was $600 million. Yeah, a ridiculous amount of money. But apparently it costs money to get information out. Well, not apparently, it really does. Um, I sat down with a guy in Calgary once, and we, we figured out how much it would cost to get uh, 11 by 7 poster-sized thing that people could put up in their house to every single Alberta, and it was uh, $6.7 million to get one piece of paper to every Alberta. It's not cheap. So community becomes important because we don't have a lot of spare cash. I mean, some of us do. Not this guy. But we don't have a lot of spare cash, we don't have a lot of spare time, but a whole bunch of us together, we can accomplish those things. If we all chip in a little bit of time here and there, a little bit of money here and there, well all of a sudden we're a force to be reckoned with. And uh, remember that next time there's a candidate that you think that can, can make some good change, some change that we need to see. Or if it's one of you, talk amongst, talk amongst yourselves and decide, like is there something you can do in Calgary where one of you can actually get in this position and make a big difference. There is, for sure. Nine of you did? Nine of you did? Yeah, we're already doing it. You guys oh, are? The MCP board, yeah. Perfect example. Perfect example. A bunch of groups got together, they decided, hey, these are the people we're gonna support, and they got it done. I didn't think it was gonna be done. I gotta make myself a little pastry-shaped hat now and eat it, because I said that the UCP could never, like that board was never gonna change, Kenny was probably never gonna go. Whoever replaced Kenny was gonna be a Kenny puppet. I had all these ideas of what was gonna happen. What happened didn't fit my version of what I wanted to see, but I had, I, I had to be willing to accept that some things were changing, and that's good, right? And then you work on building on that. Don't forget about everything else. Don't let your guard down, but be happy when you see some changes. And the one thing that I learned from that is that we really, I've been preaching this for two years, but we really can make a difference if we're together because we're stronger together. And we just showed that in the provincial governing party. <laughs> anyway, I feel like I've been talking forever. Yes, we have been. Are you happy? I have like 100 different subjects that we were going to talk about, but uh, it's 8.30. You know what? Um, I'm assuming we probably have some time for question and answers if you want to do that. Yeah, if anybody wants to ask. But wait. Oh, wait. No dumb questions. <laughs> Please. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. I don't. Yes, she does.
should give them amnesty instead of holding them accountable. I, that's actually what I was looking for on my phone because I actually took a picture of that. It, it, absolutely ridiculous. There is uh, who did who said that originally? It was the Atlantic. So it was a it was a reporter that was like last year just saying you know those unvax should just die or whatever. It, it was really like wow. And now they're saying, oh no, let's have amnesty. You know, like let's forgive and forget everybody. Just let's get along and play nicely. You have to ask yourself, what's more important? Yeah. Moving forward? Or revenge? I, I know that. I, I get it. But we, 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 have, we have to decide what's worth the most time. Right? There's nothing that I would like to see more than all of these people that did this. And actually, let, let's back this up a minute. If we're talking about stupid reporters or just one-term politicians that are dumb, ignore them. When it comes to Trudeau and our CMOH and TAM and the ones that are really pushing this and like and pushing the other ones to do it, they should be held accountable. And I don't think we should ever stop until at the very least, even if they're not jailed, which they may never be because they're protected by laws. Our government has done a very good job of insulating themselves for any repercussions for anything they do. That's a fact, it's a sad fact. We let it happen. Don't cry foul now because it's our fault. We let it happen. They might not ever go to jail, but at the very least, I would love to see a public declaration by every level of government saying, these people harmed the country, these people harmed the province, these people harmed our towns, and they can live the rest of their lives in shame. I'd be happy with that, as long as the truth is up. Because once the truth comes out, the truth will set the rest of us free. The rest of us have been saying, whoa, don't do this because you're hurting us, you're hurting the province, and, and the government said, hey, uh, you should hate those people because they're not, fault, they're not agreeing with us. Remember that? When we were scoff laws and rebels, and uh, uh, what, did, what did Jason Kenny say? Fake pastors, the fringe minority with unacceptable views. The truth will set us free in the eyes of the people in the, in the boxes that are different than ours. And that will, be very, that will be very liberating for them too because a lot of those people, they're actually not just them. Let's get out of this box. A lot of us are filled with a lot of hate towards the other side. And when the truth comes out, that's an opportunity to liberate everyone from those feelings, like those, those negative feelings towards each other. But I think we should all maybe focus our negative feelings on the, the real bad folks, the bad people. What are the odds of Dominique asking a question? I shouldn't say that because I'm recording this, but... Can I just follow up on what, where I think Adele was going with, with that question? And while, yeah, we, we shouldn't be carrying hate in our heart, there is something called proper justice. And letting someone who has, who knowingly continue to perpetuate lies, who had documentation in their hands and chose to turn a blind eye, and letting them not have to at least be accountable for that, and more than just, you get a slap on your wrist and away you go and, and we forgive you because forgiveness is one thing and I think yes we should all forgive them 
But in order for there to be reconciliation in our communities, there needs to be justice. And they need to be made accountable. Look, you had to pay a fine for illegal charges against you. And these guys who actually broke laws were immoral should be let off scot-free. I'm not saying they should be, but what I'm getting at is that the justice that we picture might not be the justice that we get. It might not look like what we want it to look like. And there's a, the reason for that is because that's the way this is set up. So imagine if 30 million people in Canada got together and changed a bunch of laws and said, yes, now we can hold our politicians accountable. They can be you know, jailed if they actually do things to take our rights away without justification, and we change laws. We could make that happen. We could make that happen. And maybe that will happen. But I, before that, I mean, we need to stop the damage from being done. We need to stop the harm from being done, right? So at the very, at the very least, I would say, if, if we stop the harm, we can focus on getting some sort of justice, but it may not look like what we want it to, unfortunately. But crowd shaming, that is awfully effective. And, and imagine if it came out that Trudeau knew he was harming Canadians, he knew it was all a lie, and everyone's like, that's the worst person to ever walk the face of the earth since Hitler. But they'd only remember that for 15 minutes. Ah, oh, that's true, yeah. That's, yeah, people's attention spans are the length of the TikTok video, right? And they're giving them more credibility. Yeah. I think, I think it's more important to focus on the how do we get there than, than, than the, you know, the what happens with that after, personally. Yes. Just a second, I'll walk away. I'll toss these chairs out of the way like a pro wrestler. Thanks for coming, you guys. That's really great. Um, I wonder if you can talk about um, your lawsuit a little bit. My understanding is that you and Arthur had your charges um, dropped and that you are not criminally responsible for anything. And then the Peckford case was dropped because it's moot, but I understand that you kept one aspect of your offense and that you're moving forward with that, with Chad Williamson. And I'm just wondering, are they gonna drop that too and make that moot? Because I think it's very important that you continue um, with that charge. Um, and I think that's a good way to hold them accountable for what they did. Okay, that's a great question. So I'll clear this up. Um, Archer and I were originally charged with contempt of court for violating the Rook Order, which said we were not allowed to organize, promote, attend, or something else, illegal gatherings. Yeah. And I held a protest, which is not an illegal gathering. That's not. I was protesting. That's my charter right. They didn't prove that it, they needed to take it away, so I'll still stand by this, even though I was sentenced. Uh, Arthur never received a copy of that injunction. They did not notify him properly the way they're supposed to by law. So when Archer went to court, after being punished all those months, I think it was over a year, the court said, oh well, you know, Art wasn't actually, uh, he shouldn't have been subject to an injunction anyway, so we're gonna wipe all that away. Mine was, I said to them, yeah, okay, uh, I see this injunction, I'm aware of it, I'm protesting anyway, because that's not legal. So it was two different things. 
art stuff got thrown out, mine didn't get thrown out. What happened with mine is, because I was subject to charter violations for eight weeks or whatever it was, the appeal court said, okay, we're going to cancel your 120 hours of community service, of which I had done 210. Um, we're going to, you're not on probation anymore, you no longer have to report to a probation officer, and we're gonna be generous and lower your fines, your sanctions, from $30,000 to $20,000, of which I'm still paying. So that's what happened with the contempt stuff. Totally different than why I'm in court right now. Why I'm in court right now is because I was ordered to appear by the RCMP because I allegedly was in contravention of the Public Health Act. That's why I'm in court. And it seems to be going very well. Um, but again, I don't know if the victory is going to look the way I want it to. I have a feeling it's gonna be a technical victory not a merit-based victory, if you know what I mean. So we'll see how that goes. What was the other thing? The Peckford. The Peckford thing. So the Peckford thing, yeah, a lower court kicked it out and they basically don't want to deal with it. They said they're not going to hear it because the mandates are dropped and you can fly again. But I believe they can still elevate it to another court, which is what was going to happen anyway. I mean, it was going to go up to the Supreme Court anyway, so we'll see how that goes. But them doing that, it's like, it's it's like if, uh, I don't even have a good example. Maybe if they raised the speed limit and you had existing speed speeding tickets, yeah, they would say, oh, all these are moot now because the speeding tickets are raised. Doesn't make any sense to me, but that's what's going on with Brian. But I know even, uh, like Danielle Smith has actually said that she's trying to put through something that says anybody that had a COVID ticket can get thrown out. Yes. Which but. is, okay, let okay. me finish. Yep. My big thing is that I lost a business. Yeah. Not a ticket. But it's okay, Curry. Okay. Remember you said, they said you don't have to go to court anymore. You remember the letter? You can open your restaurant again? Yeah, I can open a non-existent restaurant that's been taken over by a different uh, company. Yeah, that's true too. What were you gonna say before you finish pouring the beer? I said, but. I don't know, I interrupted you, sorry. Probably. What were you talking that's about? That's okay. Oh, I, that's, that was the point I wanted to say, is that uh, you could drop the tickets, but oh, what, what's going to help with, yeah, yeah. with everybody else that has lost their business? That's going to be up to us, because we're going to have to decide what we're going to do, because it's taxpayer. Yeah. If the government says, we're going to compensate all these businesses for what happened. Government has no money. The government has no money, it's not theirs, it's ours, every penny of it. So, we have to decide. But, the but was, Daniel Smith is saying that she wants to look into wiping all the COVID tickets and everything away. Now, I don't know what that looks like, because as far as I'm aware, there's no legal mechanism for a premier to do anything like a pardon. So I don't know how that would look, or if there would have to be some retroactive legislation. I'm hoping I get to talk with her about. That's one of the reasons why I keep bugging her for a lunch date. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, According to George Bears last week, a premier has the ability to direct the uh, attorney general to stop, or the whatever that is in the province, to stop proceedings against an individual. So not after the conviction has happened, but 
prior to that. Yeah, so yeah, so that's one path, but I think what she's getting at is that she wants to get rid of all of it, right? Like, or maybe she was, I don't know, maybe it was political doublespeak. So here's another thing that maybe people don't know, but Pastor Art is still under house arrest. What? He's still under house arrest. Seven o'clock every night, he has to be back there. The only exemption or, or exception is when he contacts his probation officer and says, I have an event. And it just so happens because he's the leader of the Independence Party, he says, I have an event in Medicine Hat that I have to attend. And you can bet your bottom dollar that they are not going to say, well, no, you can't go and do that. It's like, okay, yep, we'll, we'll sign you off on that. So he has to ask permission in order to do that. He, he literally has to ask mommy if he yes. can stay out yeah. past the, or when the streetlights right. come on. And I forget what the charges that is, is keeping him doing that. I know Vicky would know. It was, uh, do you know? Yeah, she just walked in. Did Infrastructure Act. Infrastructure? Uh, in Coots. No, it's oh, mischief. Okay. Mis it's mischief. No, no, no. No, it was against the Infrastructure Act. So because he The question is, is why does Pastor Art still have house arrest? Because he's still under infractions, like you said, from Coots. From Coots. And they're basically domestic terrorist charges. Yeah. So that's federal. Provincial. Yeah. Provincial. Is that provincial? Okay. Because we still have a couple of, uh, well, we have four people still in jail from Coots, still in jail, without parole, without any real evidence, Chris, and that's, Jerry, Tony, that's right. And, I, I always go Chris, Chris, Jerry, Tony, but uh, that's And just, Jeremy McKenzie now in Saskatchewan, right? Jeremy McKenzie? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's federal. So we also have uh, Alex, Marco, and George, who um, were actually driving down to Lethbridge on Friday. Yeah, what are you doing Friday? Yeah. You want to go to Lethbridge? Come to, the, uh, come to the courthouse with us. It'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah. 9 o'clock. 9 a.m. I think we're leaving here at like 5? I don't even know what time. It's, yeah, it's early. Don't like it anymore. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll drive to uh, Fort Mac, Fort McLeod, and then do a slow roll from there and then get to the courthouse at night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so th those three are uh, provincial. So in theory, Danielle should be able to do something about that, or at least to have some influence. I don't know, like I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic. Maybe I'm pessimistically optimistic, I think. I'm trying term. to be a realist. It's yeah. hard not to put hope in someone when they're saying these things. Yeah. And that question comes up a lot. These are the guys that were part of the leadership group in Coots. But they weren't even. I know. It just happened. Marco was up there standing just like, uh, dare I say, like even Tamara just decided that she would help fund the, uh, the gold funding. He was a spokesperson. He was there yeah. Yeah. They so. were concerned citizens just like us. Absolutely. Down there trying to make a difference. Yeah, imagine if you went down there and you're like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, uh, you know, I'll speak to the police or whatever and kind of see what's going on, and then all of a sudden you're in jail for eight months with no probation, no trial? What in the world? Yeah. But they can do that, totally legal. If you go, they'll pop your water. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, we'll do one more, one more question if anybody has anything going on here. You in the back? A lot of stories. Yeah. 
one that I cannot seem to shake, that's always in the back of my mind. I got a phone call from a lady who had family in Saskatchewan. And this was, I think, probably middle of February-ish, something like that. And she was telling me about her mother had just passed away. And she wasn't able to see her mother. Her mother was in a, uh, not a, like a care home, but like an assisted kind of home type thing. Where she lived on her own, but she, there was help there if she needed it. Anyway, she passed away for, for whatever reason, and it had something to do with the restrictions. But I, don't, I, I can't remember exactly what. But what really got me was that her mother, even though she lived in that home, was the secondary caregiver for her son, who had mental health issues. And he was not so bad that he couldn't be on his own at all, but he needed a little bit of help. He needed people to come and check up on him and see if he needed anything or fix any problems that he didn't realize he had. So her mother passes away and she tries to call her brother, who also lived, I think it was, I want to say Saskatoon. Couldn't get a hold of him. Couldn't get a hold of him. Couldn't get a hold of him. Finally, it comes out two weeks later, somebody, I think the police went to check on this young man and he was slumped over his toilet dead. And the autopsy found that he had some weird, something going on with his bowels, totally fixable, totally treatable, would have been completely fine, but he didn't have the mental capacity to realize that something was wrong and he needed to seek help. Now, here's the real kicker. He had somebody that came and checked on him every day and talked to him. Do you know why they stopped going? Because they were afraid of COVID. So that department shut down, and all of these people who lived on their own but needed a little bit of help, very vulnerable, no longer had anybody coming to check on them. And the other folks, some of them had family or friends or whatever that would go in and visit them, but this guy didn't have any of that. So this woman is telling me these things. So not only did she lose her mother to the restrictions, but then she lost her brother. And the way she tells the story, it's more accurate, more detailed, uh, obviously more emotional, it completely broke my heart. And then around the same time, uh, my grandpa went in to get, he went to get a stent put in his heart. I was freaked out about that. I had been, you know, we're hearing about hospitals having the compassion to give somebody who was dying an iPad so they could FaceTime with their kids as they passed away because they're so compassionate. So we were so, and I say we very generally, we're so scared of COVID that we robbed millions of people of human experiences that they will never have a chance to recover. So when people start talking to me about, me about remedies and like, you know, I think of what I lost in my business or what other people lost, that's nothing compared to those moments that nothing can ever fix. Like there is no reconciliation for that. And then if you zoom out a little bit and you start thinking about some of these things, there are some things that happen in our society that are condoned or encouraged or made into policy by our governments that there is no reconciliation for. That whole idea of truth and reconciliation for what happened to the indigenous folks here at the hands of the government. There's no reconciliation for that. 
Like how could they, it's, it's, a to, it's, a, it's a sham. It doesn't matter how many times they say sorry. It doesn't matter how many times they say they were wrong. That's not gonna change the fact that somebody had to go through those things. Those are all things that we, we just have to live with and somehow accept that there is no reconciliation. Debbie Downer. I think I think that's about it. But what's that? Thank you. Thanks for coming out, and, and I hope that uh, we gave you a little bit of. Well, thank you. You gave us. Oh, I love this. This is going to be gone before I get home. Um, so Chris and I have the, our podcast, and it's it's basically under the Whistle Stop Facebook page. So if you go there, we've set up a the Chris and Carrie Show site. Nothing has happened with it yet. Yes. Did I sleep through that? You you did literally slept through that. Wow. And uh, so we're going to be going back and reposting the videos pretty much before the convoy and and all the way through. And uh, we're gonna we we've, we've talked about doing this sort of a show um, live. Uh, and as well as being able to do our weekly, roughly weekly podcast, we have uh, we have tons of people that we're going to be interviewing in the next couple of weeks. Should we? I don't some... know if you want to say anything or. Like, sure. Okay. Do you remember who it is? No. Me neither. <laughs> Just kidding. So next week uh, we'll have Dr. Peter McCullough back on again. Very. Short, who, by the way, has had licenses pulled and he's under attack and the whole nine yards. He is not doing very good financially either. No. Not no. at all. Yeah. Um, then Dr. William Mackies will be on. Yeah. And the third one. Well, Danielle. If she ever gets time to come on. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch that we're trying to get on the show to have interesting live conversations with unscripted with real questions that they don't have answers prepared for. Um, I'm really tired of that prepared answer BS. Yeah, myself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I want to know what they really feel. I want to hear them use curse words. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Just like, like an awesome. Just like us. I'm not swearing. Normally I would end with uh, Justin's a dink. Yeah. Do you want the mic? Sure. Pry it out of my cold dead hands. Just kidding. Thank you very much, and uh, I, I really appreciate the invitation, and I'm hoping to get back again because this place is awesome. Yes, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, Chris and Carrie. So remember, you asked the question, what it meant to be free? I'm sitting back there with Marilyn, and uh, it's clear you are free if you are willing to sacrifice 100% of what you have. That makes you free. So during the COVID, we were free because we weren't bound by rules. We weren't bound by mandates, and we weren't bound by the thinking that would make us fearful. So we had no fear. That made us free. We were willing to lay it all on the line like you guys did. We lost a bunch, but we were free to choose. I love this guy. All right, you guys, thank you so much.